Buckle up, bubs. It's a long one. Whoa, yeah. Many, many comics will be spoken about today. High level, low level, all the levels in between. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And we have, we have a doozy week. Not a toozy doozy, just a flat out doozy. Just a too many issues. <laughs> so... Especially when you you get out into it and you're like, oh, yeah, all the judgments. All the things. So let's just do a quick rundown of what it is we're talking about today overall, but we're not going in depth in all of these comics. So we've got our Infinity comic, X-Men Unlimited, number 53. Yeah. Judgment Day, Fantastic Four, number 47. Another Judgment Day, Avengers, number 60. X-Men Unlimited X-Men Green, the number two printout. X-Men Legends, number two. New Mutants, number 30. Legion of X, number five. Exterminators, number one. And Judgment Day, number five. Wow. That's nine comics, my friends. Is is this an X-Men podcast or a Marvel Comics podcast? Because it's starting to get a little difficult to recognize. Well, it's just because of Judgment Day. It's just because of Judgment Day. Also, knowing that Jean Grey made a special appearance in Strange. Oh. I didn't pick that up. And I've been hearing that Emma Frost is going to be playing a role in the Captain America title. Yeah, that's a couple months out in the previews that we saw. So, whoa. Whoa. What's happening to us? Too much. Too much. Just give me my mutants. Just leave them alone on their island. (laughs) I don't care about everyone else. Well, before we dig deep and also shallow into these issues, do we have any news? Oh, we do have the news. Covers in January were leaked, apparently. Oh. And we saw what would have not come for another month or so, some visual teases of what's to come. Oh, snap. Yeah, that was the sync cover that I posted the other day with him rocking out as Wolverine. Mm -hmm. That's from X-Men 18 from January. Oh. And a number of other titles that got full reveals of their covers and people were speculating hey what's going on what's happening what's What's going on here what's this mean what's all the hubbub let's just rip the band-aid off now vita and rod are leaving new mutants it's pretty sad i i was not expecting that i guess i just was denying the fact that i had seen other creators on upcoming issues and this whole like oh we'll have a one shot and then we'll have an (laughs) anthology and then there's a new arc in a new direction in this way I was lying to myself. You didn't want it to be true. I didn't want it to be true. But I, I that does not mean that I am downplaying what could be the story to come from Charlie Jane Anders and the New Mutants arc featuring the Lost Club. Yeah, exciting. Yeah. That's actually cool. I think, you know, new arc, new team is great. I will definitely miss Rod's art. Yeah. And Vita's storytelling. Yeah. I, I feel like I honestly reading that letter you got to give respect to someone wanting to go out on top. Right. That's, I mean, that's the way to do it. That's the Seinfeld move. That's the, that's hey, props it's, to you, Vita. it's season nine and I'm calling it now before it goes, runs itself through the ground. Mic drop, leave. I'm not even a big fan of Seinfeld, <laughs> but that was just a boss move. Yeah. You know, it's like Marvel Her does. Oh, really? We were saying that we don't give enough focus to letterers because they have been doing 
regular spotlights on their main letterers. So we have one on Corey. We have one on Clayton. We have one on Joe. The VCs team? Ariana. Wow, Travis. Wow. I'm I'm chummy with them now. I know them <laughs> by their first names. Oh man. Not only do we have all these individual spotlights on specific letters, but there's an article memorable moments in Marvel lettering. Highlighting just what what stands out when you think about Marvel lettering. Hey, is someone at Marvel listening to our podcast? Oh, that'd be great. That'd be super dope. Let us know. Hey, that's cool. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you know what the first one was on that article? What? Featuring one of your girls <gasps> talking smack about one of those guys you don't like too much. Uh, what? What? Which one? Professor Xavier is a jerk. Oh, kitty, kitty, kitty. Which is great because I just used that in a Instagram post. We, we had a shout out to Uncanny X memes for... They're so good. ...posting the rap album of magneto with the parental advisory sticker on it that just made me go into a deep spiral of combining mutant lexicon with rap titles and then offering that up to the community to get even better responses everybody really crushed that yeah way to step up y'all here for it (laughs) great job everybody you know we're we're going beyond the x-men in these conversations it's true scarlet witch is showing up Stopping by for a lesson in Strange Academy Finals number one oh. with a first look. Just just popping by to talk magic with those kiddos. You know, you got to pay it forward. You got to educate the people. I thought it was interesting. This has, again, nothing to do with X-Men. <laughs> but does it? The theme of this episode. Captain America, Steve Rogers' best moments in comics. What, what are we doing that for? Are we doing like a retrospective? Are we... Maybe. I Thinking mean, back on who was Steve Rogers and who could be Steve Rogers going forward? That's an interesting perspective. Especially with Judgment Day mm-hmm. at our side. Let's get out of this news segment. The news is over. It's time to talk about X-Men Unlimited, number 53. Hey, so Monet and Avalanche joined the party. Yeah, that's basically the, what you need the, to that's know. That's what you need to know. I mean... And I called that last week. You did. That that was going to be, and I'm not upset that you're following a format, that you're bringing us there. Right. You give us a little bit of depth with Administrator Percy and how much of a bleh he is. Yeah, and we did see him use his little gas on Avalanche in front of Monet. So, whereas when they used it on Gorgon, it was sort of like... It just happened to him and there were no witnesses. Yeah. In this instance, now Monet has seen what's going on. And... The call of this being part of these supernatural developments that this Hydra ski team is working on. Mm. Also, made of snakes, Hydra. I don't know why I wasn't thinking about that last week. Oh my God. You're right. That's their like fake mutant power is that, oh yeah, we're just a bunch of snakes in a person costume. That's crazy. But that's basically what happened in X-Men Unlimited. Look at us go. Written by Steve Fox, art by Alan Robinson, colors Carlos Lopez, letters Joe Sabino. Joe has a feature, a lettering feature. Did you just try to cut me off from saying VCs Joe Sabino? I didn't try to. I successfully did. But VCs Joe Sabino, though. Shout out to VCs Blonde China. (laughs) (laughs) VCs Blonde China. Are you ready for the first of this giant stack of physical comics? 
Yeah, but honestly, I have no notes for this. It's going to be a, just, a, just a glaze over. We can look at both of these at the same time. Because I said Avengers 60, Fantastic Four 47. All right. Well, okay. Was there anything... <laughs> What stood out to you as the most important takeaway from these issues? Okay, number one, Sue Storm is the GOAT. Yeah, yeah, oh, Sue yeah. Storm is the most important member of the Fantastic Four. For years. I mean, I don't really know a lot about the Fantastic Four other than the terrible movies that have existed. Sure. So, for me, this issue was all about what a baddie Sue is, and also that... It seems like Reed is just avoiding Judgment Day and hiding in a bunker while everyone else has to deal with what's going on. Well, I mean, that's classic smart guy Reed trying to think his way out of a problem versus actually fight it with his spaghetti limbs. There's a there's a villain who's afoot doing dirty deeds to the Fantastic Four in the Baxter building and uh, Judgment's coming. It's coming. And that's, it's coming across three issues. That's because this all is I got. part one of three for the Fantastic Four tie-in to Judgment Day. I would say that's a pretty solid recap yeah. of what happened in that issue. That's exactly what I wanted. Great. Okay. We did it, everyone. We talked about one. Two, actually. Two of nine. Seven more to go. Avengers. This I enjoyed. I actually enjoyed it a lot, too. And I don't know that there has ever been a Hawkeye comic that I'm like, yeah, Hawkeye. I like Hawkeye. Well, that's not true. Because the Matt Fraction, that that was a great run. But this was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. And it's funny. And it's got a lot of heart. This was, in fact, my first ever Hawkeye comic. Yep. And I thought it was humorous. I thought Hawkeye and his comparison to a mailbox. Yes. And the value of a mailbox in the terms of judgment. And just how gleefully... The people of New York mail their mail. I love it. It's so funny. It's so great. I did really also appreciate Hawkeye asking the tough questions about the consistency yeah. of judgment. It's like this writer wasn't in on the planning and they're like, wait a minute. What are you guys I've talking about? I've read the scripts and this is bull. <laughs> like, There's no consistency Kieran, here. What's going on? What's the reasoning? Oi. Uh Yeah. So I thought the... The back and forth between the Celestial as Black Widow and the that whole situation was really interesting. Just their conversational nature. I, yeah. I just felt like this felt like a Hawkeye standalone issue, which I didn't know that I needed, but I was glad to have. Right. And like in terms of judgment of an individual, I understand that we can't get an individual issue for every person being judged, but I'd rather see less people's judgment and more of this in-depth kind of understanding of their judgment than just a wash over like one two panels this is your judgment like yeah. i enjoyed this more than any other judgy judgings back and forth for me because i liked the pacing of having the rapid fire to get a, a general wash and then having a really specific especially if it's going to be done this well to have like okay yeah let's see what's going on with Hawkeye right now and how he's wrestling with these same questions I, I just felt like this was a different way to approach it and it stood juxtaposed to the wash that we got in JD4 and in terms of how it plays into Judgment Day overall there's the conversation of what you're doing in that moment in the moment you're being judged how are you acting 
A fool. And that is sort of the answer to how you're judged. It's not your overall intentions. It's not your life's purpose. It's the choices you make in the moment that the progenitor decides to judge you. Mm -hmm. Which I appreciated that as an understanding. And also Hawkeye passes. Yeah. So good for you, Hawkeye. The only thing about this issue that I, I wouldn't say was frustrated with, but my like nitpicky brain got at was... I already know that the progenitor has said no overall. So sure. I don't really need to see Hawkeye get judged, but I did actually enjoy the issue a lot. So, I mean, that's going to, I feel like that's going to keep it's on gonna happening. It's going to keep on happening. For I know. Some of these other tie ins that'll come in the next few weeks. I know, I know. But overall, I thought it was great. Oh, you're Which a Hawkeye is, fan? This might you? be one of my favorite Judgment Day issues. No. Yeah. Don't don't do this to me. Are you a Hawkeye fan? I like the issue. I'm not going to be starting to read Hawkeye. <laughs> don't be getting people coming at me with Hawkeye suggestions. I love you all dearly. Please don't send them to me. I'm not going to read them. You didn't like this more than X-Men Red. No. Okay. So that that's just when you said that, I was like, wait, what? You no. Were confused. Come on. No. That's... But a lot of the Judgment Day issues, I I haven't enjoyed that. Yeah, sure. Much. You like this more than Death to the Mutants. Oh, one hundred. You like this more probably than Exodus's Immortal X Men, but not yeah. Sebastian Shaw's. Never. Right. Um, There's just... too many Judgment Day titles know, for you to this play is this fun game. For me. It's fun. X Men Green. Oh, it's X Men Green. So we've we've read this. We've talked about we've this. We've read this. We've talked about it. I'm, it's true. Honestly, Chris didn't put this in my box because he thought he was going to save me from them. And the compulsion that I have of completing my collection. You're like, I need it, though. I, no, I need, I, there's a story. I have issue one. If we had talked about this a month ago and I didn't pick up issue one, maybe we'd be going somewhere. But I'm not just going to have half the story. Get out of here. Never. I did like the... Ways, I don't know if you noticed this, but this used the vertical panels in new ways. Mm. So it wasn't just in the same way that the Latitude story was a reprint of those panels, either in a long view or stacked to the side. This used some rotation and placed things in different orientations and yes. even zoomed in on some things. And, and that was all from memory that I recognized that. But knowing where this came from in terms of its format it was really interesting to see yeah it was it's always a good refresh to kind of look back and see you know nature girl before she went hard into being nature girl before she was cursed and and you know being like oh hey yo there's sauron and wolverine was here at one point and this is how we we got even more evil because you get this like level up in this series of issues and the costume change situation and it's also she comes cool. walking out of the fire it's also cool to just think about her character where she is now versus where we go with her later on right mm -hmm. so she i don't want to say devolves but becomes more of what is set out in these first two issues across the next couple of stories in this quote-unquote title in this offshoot title of x-men unlimited mm -hmm. and I feel like that's a really cool thing to recognize in these two points in time. The first issue came out when the last installment of X-Men Green that we read also came out. So mm -hmm. seeing those at the same time really helped me appreciate where 
they were at and how they essentially got there from the beginning. Right, and also gives you a good reminder of just how many things happened before they even went into the pit and then escaped the pit. Right. Like, there was a whole bunch of stuff that went down beforehand. Yeah, Doug. Oh, Douglas. Douglas. Warlock. I love you guys. Team Supreme forever, but... Krakoa. What are you doing? Warline wants to know, with X-Men Green issues coming out in print, will Marvel bind them in trade paperbacks? I feel like they should. Really? Interesting. I mean, the same way that if someone would want to buy the individuals or wait for the trade paperback, like... X-Men Green as its own entity. I feel like at this point, they have nothing to lose by trying. And if it doesn't sell, eh, you chalk that up, right? I mean, I guess if the first issue of X-Men Green did well, and then the second one didn't do as well, then don't do it. You know? Mm. Don't put them in a trade. Because if people stopped buying them after the first, then they're not going to buy the full trade. But even so... Compared to Latitude, the Hickman, mm-hmm. Wolverine, and other... Well, that actually also got a continuity extension from, I think, Declan Shalvey when he picked that up. Because both of these stories have had second lives. And if I were to buy a trade, it should be more than just those two issues. It would be, ideally, the whole collection of that story. Like mm-hmm. It would be the full X-Men Green yes. with Steve Orlando... And Amelia Lasso afterwards. That's what I was thinking. Yes. Like the full thing. I mean, I'm not going to buy it, but go for it, Marvel. Do it. Yeah, I wouldn't want you to buy it if you were buying all the individuals. And subscribing to Marvel Unlimited. this particular one. (laughs) Sure. Others, I would say, go for it. All right. Is it time to talk about X-Men Legends? X-Men Legends. Well, here's the thing. Are we doing are we doing a deep dive on this? It's Is the, it getting a page turn noise or it's It's not <laughs> and I recognize this now and I apologize to all the wonderful creators that worked on the three or four books that we just talked about. We love you dearly. I didn't say any of your names and I'm not going back. <laughs> it's it's those are high level. Yeah. So Uh, X-Men Legends is in that grouping as well. It's in that grouping as well in my mind. And I would love to hear if you feel similarly. Oh, I do. I I also recognize like I enjoy X-Men Legends. I have every issue that's come out so far. We never talked about X-Men Legends until that one issue with Claremont. And then when Volume 2 came out, it was like, oh, okay, we talk about X-Men Legends now. Yeah. Here's what I have to say about X-Men Legends. A couple of things. One... I just, I never, ever want to read a comic with Wolverine in this suit. I hate it. It kind of gives me the heebs, but I read it. And and you also hate when I bring out the action Don't figure that, that I have. Don't bring that one out. It's so gross. I have two of them somehow. Why? I'm pretty sure it was extra from the guy that I used to buy figures from. We won't talk about it since you bleeped out the number Redacted. of Wolverine <laughs> uh, action figures you have in last week's I conversation. Still haven't, I still haven't set up my Wolverine display. Okay. So, two, I really appreciate that Beast had to go through a hard time of, of being under the control of Mesmerel yep. in order for Wolverine to get a new suit. <laughs> yeah, that was really all we did this for. Three, we just did. It will be coming out soon. Yeah. The trial of Mesmerel and Mastermind with Gray Malkin Lane and it was it was a great timing to then see yeah. Mesmero in action, and especially Mastermind classic. Mastermind was also in this, right? 
it was, yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that I read all those comics about and I had to put on trial and I was excited about it. You had to both defend and prosecute. It, let's be honest. It was a prosecution with like a couple of, if you want to try to find something positive about this guy, yeah. we won't give it away, but something something I was just about for to. the record books happened. <laughs> yeah, right. In that trial. So make sure you check out that Great Milk and Lean trial when it comes out. I do love the fact that Jack of Diamonds called him Wolverine. Wolverine. Because that's just what I'll always refer to him as. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I feel like I won't lose that, especially <laughs> reading it multiple times in print. Is there is there anything specific you'd like to point out about this story? I like the art. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like how well Roy Thomas took care of these characters, right? Mm-hmm. And and really made it a point to bring them together with what it is that they're trying to portray, like where we are in continuity. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell that the homework was done. Right, right, right. The stories were clearly in mind when writing this. Yeah. Gray Malkin Lane actually commented and said, effing Mesmero, you know, <laughs> as just a shout out to our recent conversations. It's so funny. Like, just the the craziness of timing. Like, how would we know that Mesmero was in this? It's honestly the same. Know. It's the same thing that I felt when X-Men Green was tying together. But yeah. it, it's just, it's even more specific just to us and our experience. Yeah. All right. Are we, are we moving on? We're moving on and we're slowing down. Okay, everybody. Take a breath. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast for oh, real. Hold up, because what? now is the perfect time because we're talking about the four issues that were up in our poll, and I completely forgot about our poll when talking about the news. No, you didn't. You meant to do it now. Yes, this was intentional. This was the plan the whole time. Do not judge me. You're not the progenitor. All right, so we which which one is number one? Yes, yeah, so we have our four options. Judgment Day number five, Exterminators number one, New Mutants number 30, Legion of X number five. Exterminators. Was number one? Number one. It was not. I didn't think so, but it was but it my was number one. it was extremely close. It was probably the closest neck and neck battle, and it was number one a few hours before the poll closed. Was it Judgment Day? It was Judgment Day mm-hmm. by 4%. Oh, lead. snap. So 44% for Judgment Day 5, 40% for Exterminators 1. Wow. Yeah. And that's then like the, no percents for the others? 11 for New Mutants and 5 for Legion of X. Mm, poor Legion of X. That is the closest it's ever been. That's because Exterminators was amazing. It was a breath of it different was, air that was, yeah. It brought me joy on levels that I've been missing. Sure. For a while. This was a new jolt of energy that I 100% loved. And honestly, I'll say hearing the vote results and feeling how I went back and forth with Legion of X and New Mutants, I'm Mm. like, are we talking about Legion of X first or are we talking about New Mutants? Because I don't know. Like, it's a difficult call. What what are your, what's your gut say? Because it might have also been, because my call is normally before I've actually read them. Right. And in general... I'm not crazy about anthology stories. I just don't feel like it gets enough depth. But for an anthology story, this was a great comic. I say we talk about New Mutants because it doesn't really factor too, too much into overall universe building. Sure. Right? So it's kind of its own thing. 
And then I would just like to also offer a little tidbit of inside information to everyone. So the order in which I read the issues off in the beginning of the episode, Fantastic Four, Avengers, X-Men Green, X-Men Legends, New Mutants, Legion of X, Exterminators, Judgment Day. That's the order in which Justin prepared them for me to read. And I read them and I got down to Exterminators and I was like, oh my God, the first couple pages of this I'm obsessed with. And then I looked at Judgment Day and then I looked at Justin and I said, should I read Exterminators last? And he was like, for you, yeah, probably. I went went back and forth, but also knowing how Judgment Day ended and how that would just kind of usher you into a all-out great issue of comics. Yeah. Yeah. And also just knowing how you've been feeling about Judgment Day. And and also that I sat and, you know, read all the comics and it was like, do you want to I told you save? to break those up. I, told I, I did for like, I did 10 minutes, 10 minute TikTok breaks. <laughs> but I don't know if you can really count that as a break. But I just needed to get it done. But having having the the last one be something lighter was good for my brain yeah but anyway let's talk about new mutants the team lineup shot on that cover all the action and intensity i like it it's fun it's a it's a nice mesh of the two teams essentially yeah it's a good celebration of all the characters that we've really been playing with across this run all right shall we dig in Mm. page turn noise we start with a letter Big of sadness. Impacts. This one wasn't sadness because even this slow played the, hey, it's my last issue. This was more like, oh, I love the New Mutants and I have such fondness and reverence for their history. This was, I was like, yeah, all right, dear reader, I'm excited, Vita. Thank you for bringing me on this emotional journey of yours. Yeah. Hey, look at that. It's a title page. 40 years young. Still classic with the most complicated creative credits of any comic (laughs) we will ever see. So our frame story, the thing that brought us through most of this, was written by Vita Ayala with art by Alex Linz and colors by Brian Valenza. The Wolfsbane story was art by Emma Kubert, inks by Roberto Poggi, and colors by Antonio Fabella. The Karma story was pencils, inks, and colors all by Jason Liu. The Danny Moonstar story, pencils and inks were Justin Mason, and then colors by Brian Valenza. And then the complete Deadpool story team, Alyssa Wong as the writer, Jeff Shaw as the pencils and inks, and Nolan Woodard as colors. And the whole thing brought together by Travis Lanham on letters and... Excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. Is VCs more important than the work that he has done as letters and production? But also Vita wrote the whole thing, right? The whole story? Vita wrote the entire frame story and the offshoots, not the Deadpool story at the end. Correct. And that's, yeah, I said that at the beginning. But you're right that I did not credit them for the offshoot stories because they wrote that framing device. and, And I did like... That in the letter that mm-hmm. we began with of, oh, we knew we wanted to do some other stories, but we needed something that would combine it together and give it some form. Yes. Because I feel like that's the problem with anthology stories. Right. In my mind is that, okay, so we got two pages on what? Like mm-hmm. Deadpool picks his butt and, and I'm supposed to care? <laughs> All 
right. Well, now that we've gotten all that VC's business out of the way, let's dig ourselves in, shall we? Coming for the Hellfire Gala with this data page. The New Mutants Celebration Invitation. Oh, I feel like this was a step backwards for Birdo for me. I mean, this... It sh- was just not This like- was classic right. Roberto. Right, yes. right. Not, I understand what in, you're saying. Not in real life. Yeah. Obviously, I don't I don't dock him points yeah. for this issue, but because I was like, oh, we're back in the snooty I'm better than you, Birdo. Yeah, but also some softening layers as we reveal his character interactions with others. Yes, yes. But this was very much so classic Roberto versus I've got a long game plan and am on another level in X-Men Red Roberto. The right. full Roberto rocking that quietly jacket that I am very much so enjoying. <laughs> this Roberto is very upset that people have come to his space yacht party not in the proper attire yeah they're ready for the pool party that he promised at the end and they're not here he specifically it's two different parties y'all wear your bathing suit underneath or take a gate back and change not okay leonara who i only recognized slightly from a previous new mutants issue there was a version of leo appearing in the age of x-man story before the 616 version that appeared in this new mutants volume all right Got to get those sources. We just got to make sure because I believe that they will be in future issues. Oh, cool. I think that they are continuing on in this Lost Club mixture of folks. So we're going to go take it back. Back in time for Danny Moonstar story, Um, which is also kind of a Roberto story. Oh, yeah. It's a combo of the two. Mm -hmm. I want to get it out now because I love this art. And I kept on feeling that as I was flipping through these pages. So each flashback story has a different art team, as mm-hmm. you remember from my long-winded <laughs> explanation as to the names. I, I, I spent more time on that than I did even thinking about how I didn't credit the other comics. And I'm sorry again. But this this art, it just feels so classic and extreme throwback combined into one and... I don't know. It's almost cartoonish, but in a great way. The eyes, they tell it all in each of the characters. Mm-hmm. I would say that this feels reminiscent of classic comics I've seen, but then also elevates it a little bit. Yeah. Which I really like. Yeah. I think I think the elevation comes from the modern colors, too. Mm-hmm. The pops, especially on that next page as we see. So we're in the danger room, right? We're, we're flashing back in the classic comics We're flashing back into the classic mansion setup and we're in a danger room sequence administered by Kitty Pride. That I was I was very excited. Bringing in your girl. I was very excited that Kitty was she was in this issue. And we have more than magic was. We have this combination of Sentinels and Brood, which is crazy because I recently set Mark Robert into my villains display with a couple of brood drones all over him. Quite funny. Another Weird connection to our own personal life. Yeah. But this, the explosive action of them fighting these sentinels in this danger room sequence as the brood are also included. The problem is Sunspot is not working as a team player. And as a result, Danny's belt is destroyed. This is a belt that she has been 
very vocal about its meaning, its sentimentality to her as a person and how it represents her connection to her people. So that leaves Danny feeling pretty upset. Yeah. And she storms herself right out of that danger room. It's Simulation just, over. This this when they're all fighting mm-hmm. in this one panel and all it's very limited detail on their faces except for the expressiveness in their facial expressions. Yeah. It's great. I also really like the and I don't always see it, but in this particular lettering when the character is saying something like grumbling or potentially swearing it's this like little scribble squiggle swish versus symbols yeah and i was like i like that a lot thanks travis roberto has snuck into danny's room we don't know it's roberto who could it be it could be anybody somebody who's later revealed to be roberto has snuck into danny's room even as i was reading i was like okay so this is roberto right he's trying to make amends for what he did he's trying to not be like like we know the moral of the story at the end that they become friends Mm -hmm. that's why we're doing this flashback either way danny's upset about it and she goes to talk to kitty yeah kitty kind of knows what's going on yeah but also plays it pretty Koi. I don't know anything. Let's go to the store. I can't get over how the clean art with the detailed expressiveness, especially Danny's face and even even Kitty's face as she's trying to play it off to, uh, I don't know, maybe let's just go and see what we can see out in the world. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things about this art is on this next page as the panel's Uh, travel down the page and Danny is getting more and more upset. The demon bear shadow behind her is getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, oh yeah, I like that. This is definitely taking place before the demon bear. Mm -hmm. But we see the different characters in the background as they're working on something that is later revealed before all this chaos and destruction caused by Danny's powers, we see that they are actually repairing the belt. Mm-hmm. Friends. Isn't that sweet? Yay, they fix the anger and start to maybe become friends for the first time. And go get ice cream. We're back in the framing story as the whole team is joined by new friends. Karma, Galora, Shatterstar, and Richter joining the narrative and teasing karma on a a previous look that she had done Mm -hmm. you know sometimes when you're trying to fit in somewhere you dress the part you do drastic things you know i want to be a superhero that stands out and so what that means is a flashback story to when we buzzed my head completely and dyed it pink because we're going to a music festival i did really love this two-page spread that I felt brought us into the music festivals. This environment shot. Yes. The details, there's no, there's very little dialogue up until we get to the end as Karma meets this other girl revealed to be Anya. But when Karma goes to Anya's tent so they can uh, <clears throat> hang out, mm. she finds that she's not there. She's not there. And it's also kind of destroyed. So kind of terrifying, especially if you hey, this woman just said, meet me at my tent and now it's, it's ransacked. ransacked. Yeah. What's up? So we must follow her into the woods so that we can save her 
from her angry boyfriend, ex-boyfriend. Turns out she doesn't really need saving, though. No. I do love that point of, no, I can take care of myself as this jerk is just mouthing off to you all, trying to be great, but blam. Which is even more attractive. Because the hero aspect is unnecessary, but greatly appreciated, right? Mm-hmm. So just it's only serving to bring them closer together. And we kiss and we have plans for more music festivals and fun. I don't think we see Anya again, but... Maybe this is seeding her to come back? I don't think so, especially if she's a human. Truth. It was a nice character story for Karma. It was, but it was the only one that I felt the framing story didn't fully connect. Like this conversation of wearing other clothes. Like I I thought she was going to like steal someone else's clothes or Yeah. I don't know. That well, part fe- felt like a stretch to me. I think it was because the story was not about Karma and Shatterstar. And if it was, then that would have had a little bit more resonance onto it. Because everybody else, okay, we're these two characters. We've introduced this dynamic. And then we're going back mm. to where that dynamic came from. Like Shatterstar is just kind of there. Right. And even like Shatterstar, not really a new mutant, right? Right. X-Force well, member. makes sense why the the side story wasn't about Shatterstar, but... I just felt like Shatterstar was making fun of Karma for like it was this embarrassing story of when Karma wore clothes that belonged to someone else or wore something ridiculous and the going to a music festival and dyeing her hair. But then the the bulk of the story really being about this love interest, that part didn't feel connected to me. Yeah, I felt like this could have been a lot, I don't want to say better, but more connected to the framing story if it was Sam who was the one that went back to the music festival with Karma and somehow related to Lila Cheney, who also brought out a lot of varied musical interest in Sam. And then you have a Lila Cheney cameo, and that's great. And, mm-hmm. and also resonant to the classic New Mutants run. But anyway. Anyway. Time to talk about gifts. Gifts and Warlock. I love Warlock. I love Warlock too. And the fact that we we have our first appearance of magic, kind of. Kind of, but like in all the other instances of her that she's seen sort of in the background, her hair is much longer. So I question if that is even magic. No, that's magic. I think that's magic. All right. Well, it's inconsistent. Her hair is short here. And then in a couple panels, when she shows up again in the background, it's down to her butt. So, but anyway, Rain and Warlock are exchanging gifts and we get to learn why. Because they're friends. They have their own thing. You don't need to know about it. It's tradition. This flashback to when Doug ditched Warlock and he didn't even know how to express himself because he speaks in emojis. Is that a thing? He used to just speak in emojis? No, not really. I, I thought it was an interesting choice in this. And I do really like the art in this one as well. So this is Emma Kubert, who is, I can't remember whose daughter. I think she's Andy's daughter. That's cool. And I just, I love the attitude, especially as we get into, so Warlock's feeling dismissed and doesn't know what else to do. So he goes to Rain and just their facial expression, but also as they're going through these different disguises. I love it. The visual attitude of these characters is so much fun. Like, "Mm, not this one. Ooh, could be this one, but not quite. Maybe this one. Ah, we found it. Casual t-shirts is the answer. Yeah, it's always the answer. 
Now let's go to the mall because your head is, your neck is eight feet tall. No one will notice you are different. No, especially if we're moving quickly through a montage. No one's going to know. I loved this montage. I thought it was so fun. Yeah. Except for Doug's face, who's just so upset about the fact that they spent six hours at the mall getting all this stuff, or at least four, and then they're going back with everything. Sunspot is so happy. (laughs) Roberto is just all smiles, and Doug is just growing his frown more and more. And and Warlock and Rain are struggling to find a gift for Doug's birthday. I do love this idea of how you find a gift, something that both resonates with them but means something to your relationship with them. And oftentimes when I'm buying something for someone, I want to make sure that I would be okay getting that as a gift. Like I would be Mm -hmm. excited if that was also given to me because if I'm excited, they might be excited, especially if I know their interests and relate it back to that. Yeah, I feel as though I agree with that, but then sometimes it it can't be something that I would want because I don't have a lot of shared interests with the person who I'm buying the gift for. Oh. So it's like, oh, I know they would like this, but if I got it, would I? I don't know. I guess that's just I don't buy gifts for a lot of people that are not the people. Me. <laughs> yeah. Well. well, anyway, these two worked really hard to get a present for Doug, only to find out that it was, in fact, the first annual celebration of the New Mutants, which is what our framing story is. And they didn't actually have to get Doug presents. So instead, they gave them to themselves. I love how unamused Magneto is. Do you see him in the chair tapping his foot? (laughs) Because he is currently the leader of the New Mutants, which, I mean, that's also magic, I would assume, dancing in the picture. Yes, With vaguely long blonde hair. She's in the background a lot. Yep. Gifts have been exchanged, a tradition has begun, and we kick it back to the space yacht. Space yacht party. And a group photo. Here's to another year because the New Mutants have gone from year one to year mumble because we're not going to confirm it it because it just time-wise doesn't make any sense. I love that. I love that nod. We're not going to tell you the number. It's been one year in this flashback and it's been 40 years for you, but for us, it's been like maybe seven. I don't know. And then we get the letter of sadness. Bomb drop. I guess it, it was just denial, but I respect it. Yeah, for sure. Interested to see how the direction will change on this book and what else these creators do. Yeah. And Vita did really great work and Ra did really great work for this whole run. So Yeah, no, it's definitely stepped this as a... It's interesting because this has been the only title that hasn't rebooted but has completely changed its creative team, Mm. right? So Marauders and X-Men rebooted completely and had a different writer a different artist a different creative team entirely and a generally different focus for each volume say it again rebooted 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 that's the same thing rebooted (laughs) i'm not changing it okay it's it's rebooted okay rebooted (laughs) rebooted rebooted no (laughs) (laughs) hey look at this contributions page this was nice yeah you know just to see 
how the different creators and editors and you know, we do we do get uh, a note from Charlie Jane Anders, who's going to be taking over the scribing duties of this book. Rod Reese, Jonathan Hickman, some editors, Alex Linz, who had stepped in for art on that Hellfire Gala issue uh, yes. a year or so ago. Just when you thought it was over, it's not. It's not because we're going to add in a little launch pad story for Deadpool into his solo. Deadpool's babysitting the new New Mutants. And it's ridiculous. And I love it. I do too. Like, cheat harder. What do you do? <laughs> Why are you complaining to me? I'm just your babysitter and I'm telling you, if they're doing it, do it better. And then Gabby does do it better. Because she's Gabby. And destroys them. Yeah. Come on, you can't tell that to someone who can't feel pain and has a healing factor <laughs> and claws to slice people. Chaos ensues and the art is gorgeous. The water, how do you feel about the water in this art? Chaotic. But beautiful. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't know if you're fishing for something. No, well, you talk sometimes about artists and their ability to make you know water feel alive on the page and I just thought that this... Yeah, yeah. Water is really beautiful, and I thought maybe you would have something to say about it. Oh, no. I didn't feel that similarly in this. I feel like in this one panel where you have the all-out action, you do it, that's where the chaos comes from. But otherwise, it just feels kind of like a wall of water. Okay. Well, right underneath that, Gabby with seaweed on her head saying, I want is just pure joy to me. Yeah. He's so proud. They're all destroying each other. As the new mutants come in and bust up this good time. They're not here for it. You know, it's not okay. And Magic is like, Deadpool, get out of here. Yeah, He's the, like, but wait. The parents just caught you, even though the parents are supposedly younger than Deadpool is. And kaboom. But hold on, because I'm supposed to be on X-Force. And instead, I've got this creepy letter. In my pants. I'm upset if this means that he's no longer on X Force, or if Me this too. means that this, you know, is is he doing double duty? I'm curious to know what happens further. Ben Percy, ease my frustrations. I want more Deadpool, but not just on a solo. Right. Deadpool worked so hard to become an official member of X Force. Don't tease me with just two issues. Don't take it away so soon. Next, a new creative team and story direction. Ooh. What'd you think? I thought it was really fun. Overall, I thought each of the stories was really well paced and interesting and gave me a little bit more character development. I think, you know, the Rain Warlock story was really cute and sentimental. The Danny and Roberto story I really enjoyed because I think it was an interesting perspective on how I can tend to get annoyed by Roberto, but then he does something that is, you know, nice and right and just. Mm. And so I thought that was something I connected to well. I thought the overarching premise of we're having a party to celebrate our team and we have it every year and y'all just don't know about it. Like, I thought that was a great premise yeah. um, to set all these stories in. It was fun. Yeah. I liked it. I I said it before, I don't generally enjoy anthology stories because of often the disconnect between them and just the lack of depth, but to focus them on character-specific stories that 
reveal a little bit about either one character or a relationship between characters, that was really nice, especially because each of them were so impactful to the emotional connections between the characters and the overall framing story fed into that you know it just Mm -hmm. all felt like one story even though it was offshoots of flashbacks right and i think in this instance the anthology nature of it all being a celebration of 40 years of comics felt like it gave a really solid foundation for these kind of flashbacks to happen versus just oh we're just gonna have a compilation of things yeah it gave it connective tissue Mm -hmm. the deadpool story was all-out action and silly fun, which is promising for his upcoming solo, especially seeing as it's by the same writer. Mm -hmm. So Alyssa Wong is the writer on this piece and will be taking over Deadpool solo. Mike Loves Mariah Carey is so sad that the New Mutants creative team is leaving. And I got to agree. You know, it's, it's the type of congratulatory feeling that you have when someone that was on your team is leaving for a new job and you're like Mm -hmm. ah i feel happy for you but sad for me right you know you do great things but also what about my things that i like what about my feelings fake torta agrees they're sad vita is leaving and no rod reese pages on the last issue i thought that that was interesting too to not even include rod Mm. in one of the flashbacks or in something else you know one might say that his labors of magic story was a great yeah. one to go out on. And even the fact that, you know, we've both talked throughout this issue about how there's no magic mm-hmm. other than just in the background and then a little bit in that last Alyssa Wong story, magic of the characters has been the most served under Vita's pen. I 100% agree with that. I just think if you're going to be. If you were looking at just this issue as a celebration of the 40 years of New Mutants, for her not to have any moment of highlight within that, that's what I felt like was kind of odd. I did chalk it up to the fact that we just did a whole magic arc, but and these other characters have sort of either been in the background or not been around at all, but also there wasn't really Sam much of a yeah cannonball story. Either. Right, and I feel like... Having Sam as the other side in a karma story would have alleviated that. I wonder if there were other stories that didn't make it in. Maybe. I feel like that's also just relative to how you feel about certain characters because I love Cannonball and I love magic. Mm-hmm. So, like, hey, what are you doing? Why does Gambit have more dialogue than magic? Warline is wondering, do we think that Vita is done with the X office or that they're just ending their New Mutants run and returning to other projects? Hmm, the letter kind of felt like they were done with the X office. Oh, really? I don't know. I don't know if I felt that. I feel like they're done with New Mutants and that that was a a potentially separate piece. I feel like it's really up to what they want Mm -hmm. because the line would accept anything that they want Right at this point. I feel like, okay, you have proven you can do some great character work stories and really respect the continuity of these characters. So if there's something that you want to do with some characters that aren't doing anything, like give them a five issue arc. Oh yeah. I definitely want them to stick around. Right. I just wasn't sure. I felt uneasy a little by the letter. Michael Fox loved the new mutants anniversary issue, but there wasn't much magic mm-hmm. or even magma with the original team interacting. 
Oh, interesting. They get it, though, because we just got the labors of magic. And, you know, that's kind of what we were just talking about, that being magic's big send-off, especially if they had been planning that for a while. Mm -hmm. But, no, I was upset, and I know you were, too, that she wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. She's going on the list of my girls. K-Emma Magic. But she, of the folks, has a starring role on the other side. Mm Mm-hmm. Legion of X? If we must. Yep. We must. What a great way to start. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the cover. Honestly, it's squad goals. Looks kind of sexy, but they're like, it's like the Calvin Klein version of a cover. Yeah. I'm not mad about that. No, no. It looks, uh, and this is where I felt like it looks like a rap album. It looks like <laughs> they're coming at you and they're like, uh, yeah, Storm doesn't even care. Nightcrawler is looking entirely too suave, <laughs> but let's go for it. Pixie looks pretty good up there. All right, here we go. Page turn noise. What a weird way to write about your son, Charles. Oh, God. Like I, I don't even want to go into this because of what is is David the gun? I don't know. Is is he just the weapon that you created that you don't want to use anymore? Frickin' Charles. You keep it in the locker unloaded. The man must arm himself by other means. Good for you. And with that we move on to a title page. Altered States. A canticle for Liebenden. What does that mean? I have no idea. A hymn or chant for lovers. All right. Written by Cy Spurrier, art by Jan Bazaldua, colors by Federico Blee, letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Legion Unplugged. As Mother Righteous gives the recap, the impending doom of Legion being manipulated, if only Switch had some imagination. Or a bustin' through that gate, hey, where's my god? Also, how have we not noticed this little baby crown on their head? I don't know how we didn't notice this headless baby body this whole time. It's so weird and uncomfortable, and the fact that we just... We get entirely too familiar with it. It's very, very featured in this issue. And I will say, I'm not going to take a backseat to responding, but I am going to not speak as much about the pages as we go through them because I generally feel confused about Legion of X most of the time. And I actually need you to tell me what the heck is going on. I mean, you know, participate, but feel where you're feeling. Yes. The Cortex Complex. The potential release of all of his personalities. Legion's stockhold, his collection of altars. And yet we don't see any that are trying to break out. Not right now. Yeah, it's almost like, hey, that was the most interesting plot thread that you teased through a couple issues. And then it just all kind of went nowhere. Then you didn't do anything with it. Got some smackdown from Blindfold. (laughs) Get out of my boyfriend. Thoughting switches intelligence out of legion's brain and into the flesh into the flesh and off of the chair where he's tied up in his weird god chamber gotcha serata (laughs) they're laying the law 
But Nightcrawler exposes the truth. Coming for you, you floating eyeball. You liar. Oh, yeah, but Tumult. Ah, classic. For someone so intelligent, you really messed up, Aura. It reminded me of Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, Yeah, where... It's like the classic tell. Oh, but you I'm said, telling you about something, but you said the, something I didn't you tell you. You have the detail that we didn't talk about because you've been in on the whole thing. You knew the name the whole time. As Nightcrawler continues to come for Aura, laying it all out, calling out her anarchy plots to cause this destabilization in the Great Ring. I arrest you. I don't challenge you. I'm arresting you. You're arrested. The laws... Demand it. The spark demands it. Oh, the spark is a crock of baloney. Here's the thing. For as confused as I am sometimes when I'm reading this story, the art is awesome. No, the art is awesome. And I'm here for Nightcrawler. I planted X-Men and posted about it today. And I commented, I feel like I want to like it more than I actually do. Mm -hmm. And that's what pulls me through more than you. You know, it's just... I'm here for Nightcrawler and and he's doing great things in this issue and he's really solving it all and he's leading people in a very interesting way and he looks great doing it. So I'm here for Nightcrawler and I'm okay, question mark. It's not my least favorite. And that was another point that I made. It was like, ah, there's some, it's, it's a problem child on the line, but it's not the worst offender. It's not the book we shall not speak of. No witnesses. Aura going off, killing everyone. You can't arrest me if you all did. <laughs> and then they're like, well, quick, hide behind this wall. Save yourselves. I did like this, seeing the full use of Aura's power and everyone just disintegrating, turning to this, I don't know, is it stone? Is it goo? Is it some kind of liquid? It looks liquid. Yeah. Chamber. Like jelly. Chamber and Dr. Nemesis just like, ah, one of those days, you know, what it, what it means to be a mutant. Classic day of destruction. As we get tumultuous. Ooh, nice. Rejecting our worshiper. This big Thanos energy from them. Mm-hmm. Fine, I'll do it myself. Nightcrawler gave me the hype, and I believe that I can just do what I need to do. I'm just going to get it done myself. But wait. Fairy justice is coming to your face. <laughs> Evening creep. As Pixie stabs Switch in the face, completely ignoring Tumult the God, which I don't know if they've disappeared or they've escaped because Pixie the door can't was open. See them? Maybe. I feel like the the magic element of their character means that they're on some kind of vibing plane together, but I don't know. Yeah, that's that's legit. Back to this astral attack as we discuss our dire situation. The connected disaster that if Legion were to die, everyone would be left unto the astral plane. Their consciousness would be floating and unretrievable by Cerebro and Resurrection. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, and and maybe... Very risky. Like if I knew that, I probably wouldn't be hanging out in this mind party. Unless I knew that Legion was doing absolutely nothing. Sure, but even then, like, he's Legion, and he's not always... You know, we like to say, I rule me, but continuity-wise... Right. ...doesn't actually play that way every time. True. Speaking of ruling me, 
unleash the altars. This full shot of all of these other versions of himself attacking Aura Serrata, the excitement on the spirit of variance in, in Mother Righteous's face is just like, ah, yeah, celebrate it. May I ask a question at this place in time? Sure. When did this spirit arrive? What do you the mean? spirit of variance? Have they been there the entire time? That's what's taken over Banshees a couple of issues ago. That's what's but made them. But later in the issue, she speaks to them as if they're two separate identities. So this is the first time that that's been addressed. The fact that it is a separate entity taking over the physical form of Banshee. That's correct. Okay. Carry on. But they're, speaking of those two, they're both commiserating as my kin called me an abomination and drove me out. And, and sure, my true love skinned me alive. Think about this. There's no way that he has memory of that happening. Someone relayed that to him. Like Charles was like, hey, Sean, you want to hear something crazy? Here you have the memories now. Although he said skinned me alive. Yeah, that's Therefore, true. he may not have been dead when mm. it happened. So he could have been being backed up as it was happening. That's that's very luck-driven, horrible luck-driven circumstance. I, I like what you're saying, that he could have been alive while it was happening, but the idea that he was also simultaneously backed up and then retained that memory, and then everybody, whoever was going through that, was like, yeah, no, that's fine. Let him keep that. Let him let him remember the fact that the woman that he loved most well, skinned his face. Well, whose choice is it that he gets to lose his memories? Not theirs, only his. And even he not even say, his. Next time around, I want to forget that bit. <laughs> even that is not necessarily honored, as we saw early on in X Force with Domino. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the magic mirrors because all of those altars immediately destroyed. It's rough. As Tumult is bringing in the ultimate distractor to Aura's power to be able to keep them into a confined space, unable to unleash onto everyone around them. Just tons of giant eyeballs staring back at you. Yeah, as the hands come in and play with your little baby body. I don't like it. No, this is creepy. This is so I weird. I don't like it. Zen comes through Nightcrawler. You're hurt. Oh, huh? You, you should see the other guy. Uh, it's just love. It's just love. And, and that's why I'm happy for my guy. I mean, I like their relationship. I'm so sad by the end. I'm so I sad. I know. But, but Storm's here also. Right, as we're trying to lay down the God law, but wait, no. No. There is someone who can stand against you. The regent of Harako. I see you, Arbitrix. Oh, regent. This is a time, and it's been throughout Legion of X, the small words within the overall bubbles to pace what your understanding might be how they're saying these things like the fact that regent you you like and then it gets back to a normal size mm -hmm. makes me feel as though aura is exasperated by <laughs> storm's presence as she should be mm -hmm. then we talk about the spark and we try new things we're trying to help it's not blackmail it's different it's a different thing there's a spark sparks are flying in this data page as we recap and recontextualize 
and go forward. To the Circle Perilous, as Tumult faces judgment, kind of. Right? So the little head that calls out all of the bad guys and Tumult the trickster chimera. But it's not actually Tumult. It's the physical body of Tumult that has now switched mental places with Switch using his power that was altered by Tumult's magic on himself. I'm glad that you understood that. I did. I didn't I didn't know that at all. I was just reading the letter, the little letter fragments. That was my main concern. <laughs> yeah. The the big giveaway is on the next page where Switch has the very specific stylization in his dialogue and as he leaves the frame make a little mischief because he is a trickster god now inhabiting the physical form of Switch. I see. Wow, you're smart. I just obsess over details. I didn't get any of that at all. I was just like, yo, Sen's leaving Nightcrawler in the dust. No, that was, I mean, I was trying to logic my way out of sadness as (laughs) this is just like, come on, what? What? We don't even get to see the art that she makes for him. Nope. That was probably the most, and, and just like how sad he is. Well, what ha- what's the conclusion of Aura? The conclusion of Aura is that her soul is now owned by Mother Righteous, and the little baby head is separated from the crown that is Aura. Maybe that's why we don't see them in X-Men Red. Maybe I should go back and check because... The little baby head? Yeah. Baby body? Baby body without really a head, more of like a bug face. Sends what going to be a mercenary or something? Yeah, she's joining the mercenary tribes, going out of Port Prometheus into the vast space for war. Until that happy day, I remain yours, Always. weaponless Sen. Always. This is a Harry Potter reference. Oh. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. He's so sad in his little underwear on the ground. Oh, Mother Righteous. Last moments with our. Doubly spirited creature of sorts, spirit of variance, not spirit of vengeance, which would be Ghost Rider, but the spirit of variance, this this altered form. I mean, is basically Ghost Rider inhabiting Banshee's body. Do they also owe some kind of allegiance to Mother Righteous because they thanked her? I don't get it at all. You don't have to because it's not final. That's coming later on. Mother Righteous is continuing and and seemingly being a larger part of Krakoa and what's going on between the Brits. Indeed, because she's talking to Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, she's adding her hand into multiple things. But we also should be concerned about what's to come for Legion. Dun, dun, dun. Get out of his head, everybody. Yeah. No, no thank you. I'm not here. As Ureno steps in. And we catch back up to Judgment Day. Next, Legion faces the ultimate judgment with our one issue of tie-in. So I know, but what'd you think? It was a comic. Um, it was it was fine. I mean, I didn't like hate it. I just don't feel super invested or interested in the story as a whole. I think Mother Righteous is really interesting. I 
really like Zen and I'm sad that she's gone, but also the way in which she left things with this basically like until we meet again kind of mindset makes me feel like she'd be coming back at some point. Yeah, I feel like of this arc, she was probably one of my favorite additions and and especially to have the connection point through Red and the Mm -hmm. family. I was upset that she was leaving. Yeah. Okay, I don't know how you develop their relationship further. They're just boning like crazy and well, yeah, because when questioning she was like, yeah. he's still asleep. I tired him out. Yeah. I was like, ooh, sad. I mean, I'll, I'll say that this is probably my favorite issue of the series. And mainly because things came together and wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Consolidating all of the narrative happenings, especially with the further connections between Tumult and Aura. Mm-hmm. And now even Mother Righteous. Like, it's still, I feel like it's second or third lowest on my list of X line comics right now because it just feels like it it's trying to confuse me or it's yeah. trying to make me think harder than I want to think and not helping me do that work. And and I yeah. guess, you know, I'm not saying that that's not what you can do in a comic, right. but it's not what I'm here for. Right. It's not what interests me. I want to be intrigued, but I don't want to feel left out of the conversation. Warline is wondering, how many variations of the Spirit of Vengeance are there? And do we think that Banshee is going to be a good ghost rider? I don't know anything about that Warline. You don't need to. I mean, like, so we so have the spirit. How could I say if he's going to be a good or a bad ghost rider if I don't know anything about ghost rider? I mean, I don't know anything about ghost rider either. It's just based off of his character, I'd say. You know. Just- okay, well, if... Banshee, if Ghost Rider is good, then I think Banshee would be a good Ghost Rider because Banshee is a good guy overall. So I think Banshee's a good guy. I would agree with that. But I think where he is on a personal level is going to conflict with that, especially when overcharged by another form in him. I'm not sure where he's going to go, right? So you now have this ultimate power and you are still in this dark place that you haven't really dealt with he he brings up the fact that moira skins him and it's my least favorite thing but Mm -hmm. i think it's funny that it's now just an inside joke for him like the fact that oh yeah the love of my life you know she just wore my face crazy right iceman omegas hates what's happening to banshee why does he always get the shaft it's true. I feel like him and Havoc have that in common. Yeah. Well, and especially in the Krakoan era, it's just like, oh, we need someone to take a dump on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, I don't know why that is. LeChef415 said that books with Nightcrawler spell out cancel. How Oof. do you make a boring book with Juggernaut? Oh, uh, man. I think it's just that it's too heady. And, it, and, and like... The detail of what you just said, what you explained to me about the mischief and the god switching bodies and all of that, like the fact that I didn't get that at all, that it was such a, it was like a a hint in the, in the lettering from the most part with the actual letter from Zen also happening simultaneously with all the art of the battle also happening simultaneously. It's, it's very difficult to understand the full scope of the story with just one read and it doesn't feel invigorating to read a second time 
And that's, I think, where the issue is. Like, this is a book that you have to, like, really comb through the details and really take the time to understand. But it doesn't draw me in to want to do that. So then I feel confused. And then the more that I read it and the more that I don't feel like I understand what's going on, as the issue progresses, I start tuning out. And I don't pay as much attention because I don't feel like it's drawing me in. It, I feel like it's... It feels like a bunch of really smart people in a room just talking and using big words because they can and Mm. making people who don't understand those big words feel small or like feel excluded from the conversation. It's interesting because as you're saying that, I feel like I often do an opposite reaction where if I'm not feeling an issue, I push myself to look at it harder to find something to connect to. Or, or something that like, okay, if if there's, maybe I'm missing something. And, and also just as a rule, if it's a bigger Krakoan issue, I'm reading it at least twice. I'm reading it a couple of times to go through those details. And I think that helps whether or not I want to. is <laughs> just a requirement that I've made for myself, not necessarily necessary, but I just feel like it helps to enrich our conversation after the fact. Right, and I totally agree with that. And I think for for terms of the podcast, that's great. And it's really important that at least one of us really understands and knows what's going on at all times in an issue. I think when you're talking about the general comic reader, that's not what they're reading comics for. No, exactly. And I feel like what you're saying and even what I'm saying underneath my subtext of appreciation for the fact that Nightcrawler's doing stuff mm-hmm. and I'm forcing myself to understand it, the general reaction is thumbs down. It's progenitor, you know, mm-hmm. it's this is not saved. This is judged unworthy. Yeah. And I still just feel like the spark itself, this idea of like trying new, try new things, like, but then. Even the spark comes up in another issue. Doesn't it come up in Judgment Day? And I'm yeah. like, nobody cares about the spark, Nightcrawler. It's as baloney as Judgment. Yeah. But now to move to less baloney things. <laughs> baloney in a different way. Exterminators. The cover's fun. Yeah. The colors, the layers, the explosions. Boom Boom looks hurt. <laughs> I'm here for it. Shall we dig in? Page turn noise. Content advisory. Ooh, I feel like I'm reading something dangerous. Ooh, it's naughty book. The fact that we have strobe effects in printed media is next level immersion. Yeah, that's hysterical. So I did listen to, Leah has been on a bunch of different podcasts, and I did listen to her interview on Kieran's podcast talking about craft and approaching this and she repeatedly referred to Dazzler's dump truck ass in <laughs> this issue and how that was a focal point in her understanding of this character. And honestly, it sells it for me. Mm-hmm. The intense action all throughout the blood sport. I love this full page image of Dazzler blasting through all these monsters of sorts. Is Exterminators basically Squid Game for X-Men? Kind of. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's Grindhouse. I don't know if you know what Grindhouse is. It's a, I've heard of that. Right, so it's a form of film, often B horror movie or wild action, low budget exploitation. A lot of splatter, a lot of blood, mm-hmm. a lot of guts, uh, and it hits on that level. It's great. Before 
we get to the blood and guts, we should probably explain how we got here. It's a title page. Heartbreaker. This blue... (laughs) (laughs) You're drunk. (laughs) This book is gleefully transgressive. Written by Leah Williams. Art by Carlos Gomez. Colors, Brian Valenza. Letters and production, Travis Lanham. Brian has been all through... (laughs) Travis Lanham. (laughs) Brian. goodness. Brian is really stepping up as a colorist in this week. I don't think I have ever known his name, but he's on several different titles. Or at least two titles in different ways. One week. <laughs> this feels like I'm reading a rom-com, but I'm immediately into it. I love it. This just feels classic. All you know, you want to talk about shouting out a letter, the stylization of the different words and also the curse words throughout mm-hmm. is really beautiful. Yes. And listen, don't mess with Dazzler. She's going to throw all your stuff out the window. Including your vinyl. Including your vinyl. Babe, no, please, not the vinyl. As someone that has a lot of records, I understand you, Alex. But I also hate you that you have done Dazzler wrong like this. Mm -hmm. So it's time to call my friend Jubilee. And Jubilee is instantly pissed. She automatically thinks Dazzler is coming for her. I just, I laughed so hard. When I read this page, because it's just, if you read that, Jubilee, what are you doing right now? My best, Allison, okay? (laughs) My damn best. And she's just like, she's sitting in her underwear in a dirty shirt. It's like, like, are you, where is your child? Are you doing your best? Your child is a dragon in a far off dangerous land. True. Where is Shogo right now? I just, I laughed so hard. At this miscommunication. It was so delightful. It was great. I just need to be drunk around friends. Get Boom Boom. Get anyone. (laughs) I don't even care about Boom Boom. But apparently Jubilee and Boom Boom are roommates in this Krakoan habitat. BFFs. I don't know why. It's fun because they both explode things. Yeah, that brings people together. Boom Boom has to pregame. She'll be right there. Yeah, I have things to do. Like finish my beer. I love the attitude in their faces. Yeah, I really like the art. Yeah, the art is incredible. On to Mr. B's bar. Ladies drink free? Yeah, ladies drink free, and they're the only ones there. That's suspect. What do you mean? Is that do that all the time. Really? Ladies drink free? Okay, listen. Do you not recall the episode of New Girl where they have guys night at the bar? And it's guys drink free. And they're like, that's that's not going to work. That's dumb. The whole point is that ladies drink free brings in ladies to the bar for the guys who pay for the drink. That's the whole thing. There's so that's a that's listen. One perk of being a lady is sometimes they give free drinks to girls. You know, got one thing. I'm going to smash the patriarchy right now just because of this. All right. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter because this bar's not making any money because there's only three ladies in there. Yeah. <laughs> Depression chic oh dress code. I uh, love the, it. the dialogue on this page alone is incredible. Leah posted this page and wrote, this is my favorite page of the book. Yeah. As it should be. This is just the sex addict Barbie. <laughs> it's 
so funny. The final stage on the bimbofication spectrum. Ooh, even better. Like to to be appreciative of a friend that smacks talk well. Like mm-hmm. this this is how I talk to my friends. Right, exactly. And this is what I like about this book is that it just isn't taking itself too seriously. You know what I mean? Like it's just a fun story. Glinda the Good Witch's porn parody. <laughs> Another thing to point out, and especially it comes up later on visually, Carlos Gomez, like as Leah describes it in the interview with Kieran, fell in love with Boom Boom through this story. <laughs> and just more and more would just draw her and had to be told several times by editorial that her hemline was too high on her skirt. <laughs> yeah, where she's dancing right yeah. here, that's his full where butt she's, cheek. Yes, where she's dancing, that's the one that got away and was <laughs> not halted by the censors. Probably because they were like, oh, her skirt's in motion. It's sure. fine. Yeah. <laughs> it is a very short dress. We're celebrating Mr. B's charm. That dive bar feel with music control, good vibes, no creeps, and no people, really. They're going to get their dance on until Boom Boom doesn't feel so well. Somebody's poisoned the watering hole. <laughs> oh, wait. It's Alex. He was a vampire this whole time? Yeah, you didn't tell me. How come you didn't tell me? I totally have been a vampire before. <laughs> Why wouldn't you share that? I love Jubilee's energy right now as she smashes this stool. and <laughs> She's ready. They take the fight stances. No, no like I've done this before. We're superheroes. And I feel like it's... I don't care be- how drugged I am. Right. I feel like it's because of their civilian clothes that makes it stick out that much more that they're very ordinary, seemingly ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's so much more fun to draw you in mm-hmm. that they look like they could be someone that you see at a bar, but also they have light Superpowers. powers. Right. Vampires versus light powers. How could you even think about this? This this half page, like, what? No, let's get out of here. This was just a great reaction <laughs> shot. Uh, yeah, that bar doesn't look so great. Let's uh, turn around and go. Yeah. Because Alex is here with all of his vampire friends as we go into this all-out fight and learn about the amulet, the protection, the light bringer. Because Jubilee's got that inside scoop back when she was a vampire. I know you know I know that Jubilee was a vampire still would have loved like hey that started this issue this issue and editor's note there that's just me wanting more context to be able to dive in further but also probably a part of us going through this podcast like knowing there are people that don't know that like you didn't know that I didn't know it but I also the way that it was like less about digging into Jubilee as a character and more is like Jubilee could have told me that because she was a vampire. Oh, hmm, fun fact. You know, the way it was written and presented, it didn't feel like I needed to dive into it further. Whereas other instances, I'm like, wait, what? Contextually, right. that doesn't make sense to me. And and that's and that's great that it felt as though it wasn't necessary, but I felt like it could have been for the people in between mm-hmm. you and me. Right. And or also me, who would have. <laughs> and or the people who are me. Who are me. Who want to read everything. Marvel, if you're listening to the podcast, listen to my call for editor's notes. <laughs> it's just going to make it more enjoyable for people that like to dive deep. 
Speaking of diving deep. Oh, segue. I hate that so much that you just, not only everyone, did Justin just make a segue noise, but he grabbed fake handlebars and moved his body as though he was adjusting himself on an actual segue. So we're recording this on a Friday night. I have been recently cast onto a new improv team. I'm getting back into improv and I feel like that has affected my mentality when it comes to things like this. That yes, if I'm going to bring in a segue, I'm going to bring in a segue. I'm going to pantomime to my fullest ability as an improviser. Well, I'm going to tell the people about it when it happens. I'm grateful for it. I want everyone to feel the immersive experience of speaking to you about comics (laughs) at 11 p.m. on a Friday night. Hey, we've all been there where you of drink course. too much and you find yourself not knowing where you are when you wake up, but damn. Floating not- on a raft in dirty water with demons hanging around. Never like this. It's never <laughs> been this bad. Oh, boom, boom. She's not happy. She rolls over. A demon grabs her from the water. She throws a fireball in his mouth. And blows up his head. And she's just like, what the... I like how she just looks at him and goes, um, ew. (laughs) Now, way back when in New Mutants, when we were in what, Kansas or something? Yep. And Boom Boom first came around in my life. That was your first time seeing it. That was my first time seeing Boom Boom. I was here for Boom Boom. I was ready for Boom Boom. I wanted more Boom Boom. This just increases that. Yeah, no, this is this is great Boom Boom. This is why I posted about Boom Boom the other day because Mm -hmm. She is the standout in this issue so far. I love far. her. I love her. But now, let's go to Jubilee. Okay, so Jubilee just wakes up mid-driving? Yeah. No, the, the brakes have been cut. She's been handcuffed to the car. And she's in this monster truck rally surrounded by all these dangerous vehicles. And swearing the floor her head off. is falling apart. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's maybe a simulation, but we don't actually know that. It's just that sweet grindhouse deathmatch action. Cut to Dazzler. Dazzler in a maze of demons. This feels very much like, you know, in Mario when you turn around. Dun, dun, it, dun, dun. If if you don't look at the ghost, right. it can ca- can get you. But right. if you turn around and look at it, it, right. it can't. When you show the light, then the demons can find you. But if you just hide in the darkness, you're okay. And what is this tiny demon teddy bear gummy bear looking Oh, it's just a little baby that I want to save because I'm a nice person. And also, why are they caged? Is this bait? Am I supposed to save them? Doesn't matter. I'm doing it anyway. Back to the booms. Go back to sleep. How am I supposed to get out of here if any movement wakes up, you nasty ghouls? I do like the, the logic the working through this problem and finding oh the methane gas okay yeah i can i can use this to my advantage i can play off my powers in a way that you're not anticipating that i will mm. i think the thing about boom boom and this team is that in this type of story is that this is not boom boom's first grindhouse rodeo oh no 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 you know like that's she She's like, okay, all right, got to get out of this mess again. I feel like of the three of them, anyone to wake up drunk and needing to 
blow her way out of a situation. Boom, boom is the one. She's been in here before. Yeah. Several times. Mm-hmm. Mostly by her own <laughs> devices. Oh, boomy booms. So what do you do? Just dive in the water then. Why not? Back to Jubilee, the zombie floating gaps. Wait, what? No, fair. No fair. My truck can't float over the gaps like that. And suddenly, the worlds are connected as Boom Boom explodes through the floor. I, I, this, you know, how much can you say that you appreciate a letterer in an issue other than this? This one page with the thum and all of the swears and even the bubble around the final one and the jubilee and the help. Like it just, it has so much character to it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, this, that help panel is another moment where Help. the uh, editors didn't quite catch the skimpiness of the costume. You know, it's it's on the other side. There should for sure be a nip slip happening there. <laughs> it's a very low top. But it's cool. Boom Boom's hot. We acknowledge it. She's jumping in the car, though. And we're riding away. Maybe it's a simulation. Let's bust through this wall and find out and find Dazzler on the other side with this baby that she throws into the air because sound is power. Mm-hmm. The more sound, the bigger explosion. There's blood and guts everywhere. This was especially this bottom panel with the sunglasses over Jubilee is where I really noticed the classic look of Jubilee. Mm. I think uh, Mike Loves Mariah Carey asks about that later on. I like this bottom panel on the next page where Boom Boom, boom, boom is boom. growing her fireball. Yeah, no, that's very good. Cecil M. James is saying that it's time that they change her code name to Time Bomb. Ooh. I mean, I like Time Bomb, but I also like Boom Boom. I do. That's what I said back. It's like Boom Boom is just fun to say. Yeah. Boomer, Dr. Madam Explode, <laughs> Firecracker. She has been called Time Bomb in Secret Wars 2, number five. I think that's one of her first appearances, actually. Meltdown, but she still goes by the classic, boom, boom. Boom, boom. Gang's all together now. We've we've picked up Dazzler and her tiny, adorable little purple baby. Let's ride out. If only everyone had put their seatbelts on, as Jubilee explained, they should. Oh, poor boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, she's great. She goes for a little ride. She takes a little puke break. So this, again, again, to point back, listen to the podcast. It's uh, Karen Gillen's podcast is called Decompressed. It's a semi-regular podcast where he talks to creators about craft and storytelling and how they make the choices that they do. And because they know each other, mm-hmm. they really dive into that creative process. And this in the script, Boom Boom was in the background. And Carlos, who has fallen in love with Boom Boom across this issue and series, decided, no, that that is a front and center thing that you need to see in full spectrum. That's a Boom Boom moment. I love the comment from Jubilee. Actually, no, I'd, I'd rather just wake up on Krakoa right now. Yeah. Can you just let me die? I don't as, feel like dealing with this. As a mysterious voice over a loudspeaker announces that... You three have passed your entry tests and won a chance to compete against our most esteemed prize-winning 
Menagerie Beast, the Soul Splitter. Ooh, and there she is in all her gory glory. Laura Kinney Wolverine. To be continued. With the tease of Wolverine as she joins our book. What'd you think? I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's beautifully drawn. It's fun. It's witty. It's a story that feels like a breath of fresh air. It's just a story about itself. I'm sure, who knows, maybe at some point it'll tie into the larger Krakoan universe. But right now, it's just a story that I can enjoy. Honestly, as a story. if all it does is introduce a new threat that's doing these like weird deathmatch battles, I'm here for that. I love it. Yeah, no, I there's so much to love about this issue. The action-packed plot, ridiculous dialogue, the spectacular art. It hit on everything it's that I wanted. It's an all-female book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would want... It's, it's everything that I would want from a comic, and it was such a, a breath of fresh air that I wasn't expecting it at all. Like, I'm hard-pressed not to call this the book of the week, but I did love what JD5 did for the big picture story. This just got me excited for what else there is next after Judgment Day. Yeah. And I feel like that was the the light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, okay, yeah. That, Judgment Day number five was really great for the Judgment Day story and how that affects everything. Yes. But this, as a singular issue, and especially as the intro number one, this was a great number one. This, when we were just going through this book, I was like, mm, I want to read this again. So and I many, don't often have that feeling about comics. So many people read it several times. Like Andy, our first comment, in love with the art of exterminators. From the beginning with Dazzler roller skating through the blood and blowing bubbles, this issue was a masterpiece from Gomez and Valenza. He finished reading Exterminators, turned it right back to the first page, and then read it again. Amazing. And then got halfway through Legion of X and picked up Exterminators <laughs> to read it again. As you should. Mike Loves Mariah Carey's favorite book of the year is Exterminators. Yes. Fastest read of a book he's ever done, 11 out of 10. He read it four times. That's right. Yeah. It's so good. Honestly, it was the first book that I read because I read it on my lunch break after I picked up the books, and I knew, no, this is this is what I want to read. This is the fun. I read this, and then I read Judgment Day. When I came home from work on Wednesday, and I picked up the pile of comics that I don't normally read them until Thursday, and I started like flipping through all the titles to see what, like, just not the books themselves, but just the pile. And then I picked up Exterminators, and I like kind of opened it a little, and you were like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I was like, hmm, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Hot Claws agrees he wants more Exterminators. Catatonic Abyss 420 really loved Exterminators, a refreshing change of pace compared to AXE. Mm -hmm. I, I feel agree. like that's right. So you have this big, heady, all encompassing scope, but then you just have a standalone to be able to do what it has and what it wants to do and, and does it really well. It kind of is reminding me not. Not that they're the same at all, but it's sort of how I feel about She-Hulk, right? Like She-Hulk just exists in the Marvel Universe and it's fun and I can watch it and just enjoy it for what it is and don't feel like it has this overarching pressure that like I have to remember all these other crazy things. That's how I felt reading this. Like I could just enjoy this book for what it was, yeah. you know, and just take in the beautiful art, love the, the storyline, laugh at the jokes. 
It, this it was by far my favorite book of the week. And as much as I am loving She-Hulk, also Daredevil. <laughs> like yeah. what? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Iceman Omega said it was the most fun he's had with an X-Book in a long time. Pure sass. Yes. Warpath Dylan said that the characters talk to each other the way friends actually talk. And that's absolutely what we were talking about before. Yes, so true. Michael Fox loved Exterminators. Not all the dialogue landed smoothly, but it's funny as heck. Which, you know, I feel like the different tone, and we had someone else comment on Instagram about this, that the, the dialogue felt out of tone or felt unusual for them. This is an entirely different situation. This is not in the field. This is not right. prepping. You know, this is girls' night. This is after hours. This is friends hanging out and just shooting it, you mm-hmm. know, being who they are to each other. And I felt like that resonated so much more for me and how like, I love talking to my friends like this. Yeah, for sure. Same. <laughs> Graham Malkin Lane said that the win of the week was Boom Boom being flattered by insults. And I think that that's what I love the most about her reactions. It's like she was complimenting Jubilee on her roast skills. Yeah, but it's like it's also not just a roast. It's like Boom Boom doesn't wear that and think I don't look this way. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's what Boom Boom strives for. Maybe Boom Boom wants to look like a cracked out Barbie doll. But I mean like (laughs) a good roast is hinting on true things. Right, right. Michael Echeverria wants to know how is Exterminators going to end? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to think about the ending. It's never going to end. Don't talk about that right now. Leah had finished and had, you know, she was done scripting and I think even lettering issue five before issue one came out wow so the full story and, and to kind of like wait it's only five issues yep it's a oh five my issue god mini. i can't why is this happening well i'm glad that i said that so you at least know oh god Recoup. i just i just in my head did the the michael scott no 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 why okay all right you, why did you just say it's never going to end then? Because it'll live on in your heart. You can read it again. You can read it as a full series. I am detached from the fact that stories end. Well, I've been okay, here before. Okay, there's a difference between a story ending and it only being five issues. Like, I didn't know it was a mini. So, like... For you to say to me like, oh, it's going to be 12 issues. It's only a year or it's like whatever. Fine. I get that story's end, but I didn't know that it was only five issues. That's disappointing. Anyway, Judgment Day. This cover is ridiculous. Why? Because look at the stupid faces everyone is making. (laughs) Like some people are fine. Some people have the most ridiculous like. Wolverine's throwing the peace sign. Like. Athena's face, Cyclops' face. This is the same face. Beast looks like he hasn't eaten a sandwich in a really long time. Especially compared to Jean how looks he's like been she's looking. kind of trying to do like a sexy Instagram face, who, but she's who, also me? confused. Like I think the cover is fine, but I just I can't I can't not laugh at some of the like shocked surprised expressions. It's a lot of impending doom, but lowercase doom. <laughs> Shall we dig in? Mm-hmm. Page turn noise. 
Title page, Judgment Day. Written by Karen Gillan, art by Valerio Schitti, colors Marte Gracia, letters Clayton Coles. BC's Clayton Coles. On to our lineups. Nothing really to call out here. We've seen a lot of these lineups before. Let's talk about that first Judgment Splash. So I guess I'm kind of confused about where this picks up after the end of issue four. Mm-hmm. You know, I assumed Judgment was delivered and was more of a sweeping manner. And that's what Cap was protecting those people from. But it seems to have only hit a very specific spot in New York, like only the treehouse. And as I'm thinking about that, is the treehouse destroyed? It better not be. Because it feels like the treehouse is destroyed. Like if you look at the next pages where there's just ash and destruction and Krakoan branches, like there's no treehouse. The treehouse is destroyed. This is not okay. Yeah. I mean, I know in addition to recreating a lot of other things that they need to do, they hopefully can recreate that. But still. Yeah, I would agree. I would say my confusion or mm, question of this whole issue is the progenitor made it seem as though judgment was going to be I judge you and then I destroy the earth and it's like he's like I judge you and then I take my sweet sweet time slowly destroying parts of the earth and a few of you but long enough for you to go back to your base and regroup every few minutes sure but anyway, first let's check in with our civilians as Tom is told off by his son. Katrina uses the judgment to be better. But what does this mean? His son takes a deep breath and decides that it's time to tell him who he is. What? You tell your dad off because he's the worst and he doesn't know it and he thinks he's so great. Okay. Katrina uses this to be better. She uses this as an opportunity to see herself be a greater person on the other side, which I feel like is in a twisted way the purpose of what the progenitor is trying to do, but mm-hmm. also not really giving the chance to do. Right. Kamali waits, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Daniela and mom doing what really matters, connecting with each other, sharing in these last potential moments. Jada with the ultimately humble told you so to Captain America (laughs) as Kenta, the innocent child and voice of fear lets the progenitor know, Hey, uh, you know, maybe she feel a little bit bad about this guy back into New York around the treehouse that is seemingly destroyed as Jada and cap have the real connection and conversation. Is it, is it the treehouse or is it a gate? I think it's both. Because okay. he, like, the last that we saw him, he was on the treehouse telling ah. everyone to calm down. That's okay. the main reason why I think it is. But no, that that bulb of pink above his head is very much so relative to Krakoan structures, mm-hmm. and just the tree branches everywhere, and like the empty Manhattan skyline. It feels like the treehouse is done, and I'm not okay with this. No, can't be happening. Jada's working through the loss of her daughter and how that hits her. This is a inspirational habit in a bad world that Captain America is just trying to go for the best of people. And then Nightcrawler's here. Yeah. Because we, we gotta go, Cap. 
hey, I'm saving the world that hates, fears, and now judges me. And I think everyone should see you give this false god a piece of your mind. Interested? Swashbuckling. Yeah, sure. I've been sitting around long enough. See you, Jada. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. And be the ultimate team of Nightcrawler and Captain America. In case anyone was wondering, Justin has Nightcrawler and Captain America action figures currently in his hands as he sings that little song. So here's Cap face to face with the progenitor thinking he's going to do something. Staring down the progenitor in this defiant way, telling him off, hey, I've stood before tyrants before. They've all been so sure it's all over. And the connection that is drawn between Cap and everyone else in the world to be able to experience this in real time as he's standing up for what he believes in against this tyrant is what we find the thing that starts to turn the tide in action. Obviously, he's destroyed, he's killed, he's burnt to a crisp along with Nightcrawler. Did you feel anything when you saw that? Were you like, oh, this... I Well, I did say out loud, oh, no, their, their bodies are skeletons. This is not good. And I was concerned. And then I flipped the page and I was like, how do I have a Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler's already well, I mean, resurrected. Yeah. That was quick. Nightcrawler didn't confuse me. Um, more so Captain America. And, and well, spoiler alert. Yeah, right, we, we didn't get, to get the... there yet. But I'm just saying, I at first I was like, Oh no, this can't be good. And then I turned the page and Nightcrawler was instantly resurrected and I was more like, how did they have time for that already? Like I understand they have eggs and things ready to go and yes, everybody saw what happened, but... And they're in war situations, so they're prioritizing their fighters, right? But they still have to create a husk and like that, pro- like the, the process of resurrection has to take at least an hour. So I, how do they have that much time? I don't know about that. All right. Well, it has to take more than 30 seconds. Maybe. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But we also don't know. Comics is the, the space between the pages and the panels, right? So we don't know. It's instantaneous because we're flipping the page. Right. But that's what I'm saying is the progenitor is destroying the world. That yeah. they, they continuously have time to resurrect people within this. He gave them 24 hours before he passed judgment, and yet it seems he's, what, slowly destroying the world in another 24 hours? Like, Well, he cut the 24 hours short. So maybe like this is the last two hours of his 24? I don't know. Well, either way, Nightcrawler's back. And, and also, to answer your question, I had feelings when I saw it, but also we keep seeing everybody die and we know that comics go on after this. So I don't have as much of like a fear response or a shocked response when I'm seeing these heroes die because I know there's going to be some way that they're coming back. That death resonated with everyone else, though. The fact that the calm and newly directed anger as a result of this meeting between Captain America and the progenitor and the fact that it was all televised into their brains gave them new purpose, gave them new resolve to fight against this evil threat. Mm-hmm. Kurt popping in with purpose and vigor, just ready to stand and rally behind anyone else. Like already throws on his coat, grabs a sword because they're all just standing here. It's, it's like we were ready to make several Nightcrawlers. We gave them 
a whole arc of the tree with swords for him. Mm-hmm. And he's just ready to go back out, die again, and come back into the resurrection protocol. Yeah, he's even calling it out. Hey, make me another egg because I'm going to die again soon. I'm like, all right, well, maybe let's send in someone else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's send in Wolverine. As much as I love Nightcrawler, let's send the both of them in and stab with the teleportation. I do think that this this concept is interesting. Like, okay, listen, we have to fight the Celestial. And as Eternals, we can't physically fight it because we will start bleeding from our eyeballs. However, if you go in and take over our mind and our bodies and force us to fight it, there's nothing we can do to stop you. Yep. Yeah. And it's the one chance, it's the best chance that they've got. You only have one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. But this comment from Destiny, this is our only chance with certain modifications. What are those modifications, Destiny? We don't know. We're not told. How are you feeling about this drop-in shot? Drop to the side, everyone, everywhere. It's great. It's an effortless attack that's more a distraction. Shout out to the Stepfords and Emma piloting the hex. Mm-hmm. More attacks from all directions, making Progenitor feel as though this is the big guns. This is the thing that they need to be most concerned about. Yet all of this is prologue. The hammer is still to come. Earth's mightiest. Thor vanquished well this you know it's cool that y'all bonded together but i already judged you so meh so you're dead so dead thor dead gene dead exodus dead all the hex to the point where it also burns through the cuckoo's brains dead magic dead captain marvel almost dead iron man as he's realizing hey let's get the heck out of here he's gonna go off for real this time so like looking at this other page is he burning this city? Is this city actually dying? I mean... How long does it take to annihilate the planet? It's a really good question. This image of Krakoa burning and being destroyed. Destiny and Mystique being killed. Right. So if Krakoa is being destroyed, how the heck are they still resurrecting people? Because they're not on Krakoa. On this next page, as they're all retreating... So this this moment of destiny was right. As long as we left certain people there, the celestial would presume it got us all. We could evacuate anyone else. So these key players that made, you know, maybe it's only the people that had been judged or the people that stood out that died with the ship, the captains that went down. Everyone else went on to what I believe is some kind of Avengers mansion that we now have a gate to. And that's why we have such a limited amount of eggs left. Even though I think Egg can still make eggs without Krakoa. I feel like that's kind of the point of his powers. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I think this is Avengers Mansion is because I zoomed in on this shot in what looks like a, a living room. And we have what seems to be an Iron Man on the wall and then a, a wasp on the other side. And it doesn't look like it would be any kind of Krakoan habitat. So No, definitely not. Well, look. Jean's back. <laughs> Again, what can we possibly do? This limit of eggs, Logan calling in Jack of Knives for the infiltration play. The fact that Jean is set up with personal access to certain Eternals. 
making Sinister very upset that he didn't get to play. Sorry, Sinister. Nobody trusts you. Nobody trusts you. I I love this line from Jack of Knives. I'm sorry I nearly stabbed that redheaded resurrecting girl of yours. I guess it's better late than never. No, 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 no. I'm sorry I nearly stabbed her. If I had killed her right, we wouldn't have gotten into this mess. It's true. We would have won the war and y'all would be done. It's done. We wouldn't be dealing with this nonsense. So I guess let's try to do what we did two issues ago again and then fail again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we need to resurrect somebody, but it's not Cyclops because Cyclops isn't the man that the world needs right now. It's heresy. How dare you do this? This is against all of our customs. And then the last page. Captain America popping out shield in hand. Where'd you get that shield, Captain America? Proteus. Proteus gave it to me. That shield be born of part of your body? No, is is warped into my hands by <laughs> Kevin. Here, listen, it was really cool to flip the page. I did, however, suspect as we were getting to the end of the issue and the things Kurt was saying, I did suspect that it was going to be Captain America on this page. It was a cool reveal. I was super excited about it, but it left me with a lot of questions. That's a good thing, though. Like, what does this mean? They're going to resurrect all of the heroes after this is over and they're just going to say sorry if you're a human i know that was kind of the whole thing that you were upset about that we were saving our immortality only for mutants but now we're saving it only for super people because we don't have time to resurrect all the humans who were killed we're during too this. busy resurrecting ourselves I don't know. This definitely opens up a lot of questions about what could be resurrection going forward. And where is the Cerebro backup for Captain America? Yeah, so my only explanation for that now, knowing that I don't need an explanation now, we might get the answer of it in the next issue or so. Mm -hmm. This does continue as we find out at the bottom in AXE Avengers number one. But... Did Xavier copy Captain America when he was connected to his mind, right? So he fed out what was going on in Captain America's mind to everyone around the world while he was in there. Did he make a little backup? Mm -hmm. How did they get his DNA, though? Was that just on Sinister's file? Is that just, you know, because of the number of times that Tony's or because of the number of time that Steve's been manipulated with his blood and his DNA to make other super soldiers. Is he a is he a chimera of sorts? We don't know. But we'll find out. But we won't find out right now, because next, Tony Stark has spent his life building suits to protect himself. Now he has to enter a suit of armor that could kill us all. Can he survive? Can anyone? Big picture. I thought there were some interesting twists with the ending of this. I feel just in general confused about the way in which the progenitor is following through with his plan. It seems like it's taking way more time than it should in order to give the heroes the time they need to beat him. And that is, I don't know, it just, I'm all for suspending your disbelief and for, you know, this is a science fiction story and and it is what it is, but... The threat doesn't feel as big as it should feel because they have so much time to solve the problem. 
you know? And I, I and it was my question going in in the beginning was like, you know, a while ago it was like, oh, he's giving them 24 hours. How long is this 24 hours going to go on? Is it going to be the entire event? And then after the fact, it's like in in issue four, he passed the judgment and he said you failed. And then he started destroying everything. And turns out it was just part of Manhattan. Yeah, just that doesn't Cause even because even Jada being there in Manhattan unaffected doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And and like the fact that he he's so insistent that he's not giving them any second chances. There's no redemption. It's like kind of like the idea, I guess, that he's like playing with his food because he's just like, oh, well, I, there's no way out of it, but I'm just going to kill you slowly. But if every time someone comes to attack him he just instantly kills them all i'm not sure why he hasn't just gotten on with it and destroyed the whole world and that's sort of the i don't know the the questioning in me the skeptic in me is like what's going on here like how is how is this working well especially to have all those questions just in the one main series i i understand how that is like red flags. I even felt a lot of those questions as I was reading it, but I just was enjoying it too much to let that slow me down, I guess, in a sense that I was like, okay, they'll explain it or they won't. I hope that they explain a little bit of the judgment that is unleashed, but I just felt like this turned it into a different way. Like this, this definitely was again, I think I said it last issue. This was probably one of my favorite of the Judgment Day issues of the the main storyline, especially. I felt like the mentality behind the characters and how they're really coming together. They're trying different things. They're sparking it up left and right. You know, they're they're trying to do something new, and that you have Captain America popping out of a neck like this means a whole lot of things. Everyone just saw him die. Right. So you know, everyone knows about resurrection. Everyone knows that Cap died. Now he's here. Okay, this does a lot of interesting things for what resurrection is going to have to be going forward. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I agree. I think there was some really cool teamwork things that were happening, like the way that the Celestials are, you know, I I had asked that. In a previous episode, I was like, do you think they're going to try to find a loophole so that they can fight the Celestial? And and they did, you know, they were like, if you take over our minds and our bodies, we can't do anything to stop you. And I do think that that kind of like teamwork and the dynamics of what's happening with the different, um, you know, power sets and the different teams and all of that is is interesting and cool. But I just feel confused by this story, I think. And it's easy for me to pick it apart because it's not something I'm enjoying a lot. So it's easier for me to be like, eh, okay, but this but this doesn't make any sense. And, and I don't mean to be like a naysayer or to be poo-pooing it, but it's hard for me to feel the stakes of it all because I know all the issues are going on. I know all of the super-powered people are not going to be dead. I know that there's got to be some way out of it and – it feels like the progenitor is giving them way too much time. Hmm. Yeah. You know, like it feels like this should be a Thanos snap moment. Like when he decided the world should end, I'm going to just whoop, destroy it all. Like it felt like that should be like a it's destroyed and not like a 
I physically have to go to every individual city and destroy it. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's never left the North Pole, right? Sure. And we don't actually see where the outreach of destruction, we don't know what this city is that we see burning. We know that Krakoa is far away from the North Pole. Are they attacking very specific locations? And that's why we're only seeing those things and we're not seeing the full sweeping. Right. I don't know. Rodro is loving Judgment Day. Best crossover in a long while. And I would agree, having read the last couple of Marvel-wide crossovers in, what was it, Empire and King in Black, this is a lot better and a lot more Mm -hmm. enjoyable on a story that's bringing me into a lot of places that I'm excited to see how it's going to ripple out from. Warlion wants a Captain America and Nightcrawler team up book ASAP. (laughs) Yeah, they are a great team. Same. Yeah, I just feel like their ideology together, bouncing off of each other and, and playing into each other. He's also congratulating Gillen for writing one of the few good Steve Rogers stories since Ed Brubaker. Cool. I mean, I don't, I haven't really read much Steve Rogers stories, so I'll take your word for it, Warline. No, I feel like it's very much so the conflicting of what he's doing right versus wrong, how he's his moral compass, right? That That's Captain America. He mm-hmm. is the moral compass of the Marvel Universe, or at least tries to be in some way, and how the world around him is testing that. And I feel like this, with the threat of the progenitor, is making him take a hard look at what he stands for and how he keeps that optimism alive. Iceman Omegas thought that it was amazing that the mutants of Krakoa voted to bring back Cap over Cyclops. He hasn't had goosebumps over a comic like that since DC's Identity Crisis. That's cool. I mean, it is a big deal for them to choose when they only have so much left to choose someone who's not a mutant that is a that is a huge choice yeah and especially so like this is the first one that they have intentionally resurrected right mm-hmm. scarlet witch resurrected herself technically mm-hmm. through magic this is the first time that we have seen a non-mutant resurrect through krakoan means mm-hmm. and in such a public way right it's huge because like you said everybody saw captain america die and i feel like that's why right to have that moment of okay we are willing to do this different thing to get to the other side and to to work through this challenge. We're breaking what were our rules to save the world. Mm-hmm. Future Dog Walker loves Steve as much as the next guy, but why are we wasting an egg on bringing back Cap? Any possibility that Steve is that that's not Steve in the egg? Could we have just made a superhero chimera? Ooh, yeah, that's what I said interesting because we don't know like how do they get all this material right how do they get the dna of steve if his body was completely destroyed did they just is that just a blank body that they threw a shield on no rem springer wondering if proteus just made a whole cap shield out of nothing (laughs) seems like it yeah you know he can throw adamantium onto a wolverine's bones and he can make a shield pop out of the egg he's got it all His powers are limitless. Michael Fox needs Exodus to confront Kurt immediately after Judgment Day is over. You think about it, this was essentially sacrilege to Exodus. Oh, bringing Cat back? Bringing Cat back over a mutant leader, a great Mm. mutant leader, essentially the grandfather of the Messiah. Mm. 
Vaderino thought Nightcrawler was epic this week. He's curious about where we go from here with Resurrection. We're running out of eggs, but egg can make more, so... I, I just that was a weak point in the Well, it seems like egg can make the eggs, but they generally do like nest within Krakoa. So maybe there is some link to Krakoa that's needed. I don't know. Or maybe egg died. It was egg left behind as part of Maybe. Because even as we're looking, like egg is not in this resurrection sh- circuit. Oh. In these four surrounding the egg in front of them. Is that one of the characters that needed to be sacrificed as part of that play beforehand? Interesting. That's all the questions we got. Okay. Well, how are you feeling? Like, what are your overall thoughts about Judgment Day? Since I'm such a Debbie Downer about it, I guess. I'm trying to fight through the Debbie Downer. Really, I've been really enjoying it. And I, I feel like I've been expressing that. That I just, I enjoy it as what it is as a big Marvel event. And especially as the X-Men relative story of it, I agree that it's taking a long time and there's a lot of plot holes and understanding how it's working, but that's not detracting me from enjoying the things that are really working. And I feel like I'm kind of just going with those things that I have questions on and hoping that they answer themselves later on. Probably won't answer all of them. And is that at the end, the criticism that you look back at, you know, is that at the end of 10 Lives of Wolverine, you're like, what was the point of this? What did we get? What was the the journey? Yeah, probably. But currently I'm just, I'm, I'm here for the ride and I like what they're adding. I feel like there is a lot of big picture to it and there could be a little bit more details. I really have enjoyed from the start these broad strokes and then fleshing out how it's affecting, how it's impacting. But I feel like the last couple of weeks with how much focus there's been on the main title, we've lost a lot of that fleshing out, Mm -hmm. right? Before in the first couple of issues of the main series, we had weeks in between and a lot of filling in issues that gave us that context to the buildup. And now it's been... Judgment Day 4, Judgment Day 5, Judgment Day 6 is coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not really getting that. And what feels like it's going to be on the other side is just the aftermath mm-hmm. or how they're dealing with it or what they're, what they're doing on the other side, which I'm not as excited about. I'm excited about the main event and what that means to them, how that's affecting them. Love the art. Yeah, the art is great. Love seeing Nightcrawler having a starring role and doing great things. Mm-hmm. Love this as a bridge between mutants and the rest of the Marvel Universe, which has otherwise been unbuilt. Yeah, I agree. I think all of that, what you're saying is really great. I just think, I think for me, I'm having a hard time finding what the heightened thing is in each issue when the threat doesn't seem to be changing. So in this issue... The thing that took it to the next level was, oh, snap, we've resurrected someone who wasn't a mutant. And that is interesting. But there's so much of, like, even if you look at Judgment Day 3, 4, and 5, right? Judgment Day 3 and 4 were very similar in that they were just a series of judgments. and series of judgments and reactions to what they could do, right? So 3, I think, and even into 4 was what we're going to do about the judgment itself at the end of four we got 
okay, I'm going to judge you all thumbs down and start to kill you. And that was just in the last like page or two, right? And so here we're seeing that ripple out. And I would agree with you 100% that the time of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like how, yeah, how long think- is this taking? How, how spaced out is it to that? The fact that they get the opportunity to respond, die, and respond again. Yeah, I just, like, I feel, I get, you know, sometimes in a war or, like, in a battle situation that there are, like, regroup moments. But I feel like a lot of time in their regroup moments, like, Cap was literally just sitting drinking coffee with some girl, you know? And, like, the rest of them are, like, huddled in the kitchen just kind of planning out what to do. And I'm, like... You need to be moving faster. This man is just, this this thing is destroying the world. And I want to like it. I just, I just don't. Like, there are elements of it that I like, but I think it's the knowing that it's still September. And there's so much more of it. And I just don't know where it's going. But... I mean, overall, if we're just talking about this issue, the the Nightcrawler cap stuff was great. The surprise of of the reveal at the end, I really liked. And, you know, something's happening, I guess. Something's happening. This is happening next week. So what do we got next week? Amazing Spider-Man number 10, Judgment Day. Judged by Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. AXE Avengers number one, Iron Man, fighting through that judgment. X-Men number 15 has really nothing to do with judgment and is not on the judgment list. We're going into the vault. Great. Gambit number three, again, nothing to do with judgment. Awesome. So I feel like our, our mutants are breaking free. They're getting their own stories back. Mm-hmm. And Marvel Voices Comunidades number one. Cool. To celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. Awesome. Well, this was an epic episode. Anyone that uh, reached out to us and gave us the suggestion or the feedback that you would prefer the longer episode and you just break it up on your own time, thanks so much for that. We really appreciate it. And also everyone who submits questions and gets involved in the conversation, thank you so much as well. And until next time, old friend. Charles, you've been mad quiet. Do something. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>